grad school in Connecticut. I did a lot of exploring on the weekends. I went up to the Appalachian Trail. I went into the White Mountains. I went to Boston. I went to New York. I went surfing in Rhode Island. But I also wrote a lot of papers and it spent an absurd amount of time in front of the computer. I don't think anybody does that these days. <laughs> Whether I was away all weekend or hard at work, my weekend always ended with Compline at Christ Church, New Haven. At 8.50 p.m. on Sundays, I'd hop on my bike and cycle from the grad ghetto of East Rock, past the brick graduate buildings, past the gothic grandeur of Yale's main campus, and finally down two alleyways. And when I was a few blocks away, I'd hear church bells ringing. They ring out for about three minutes before the start of Compline. And soon, I'd pop out of the alley and cross the busiest street in town to a church that sat like an island between the two directions of traffic right there. It would converge right at this church. The church was stone, and it looked like somebody had ripped it out of 14th century England and plopped it into Connecticut. I'd lock my bike and walk in to be greeted by the sweet, musky scent of incense. The church was entirely dark except for a few candles in the front. You could barely see if anyone was in there at all, much less in the given pew where you would like to sit down. You definitely could not see any faces in there. I'd find an open space, hopefully not sit on someone, and listen to the last 10 seconds of the bells ringing outside, which was followed by a minute of complete and utter silence in this old stone church. Then, without so much as a shuffle of paper or a footstep, voices started singing from a hidden choir loft up high in the church. In the darkness, with the voices reverberating off this stone church, off the stone walls, you could not tell where the voices were coming from. But they sounded clear and true, both human and heavenly. The tunes they sung were ancient, simple melodies that reflected the culture and a way of life long since extinct. Compline began as the final service of the day for monastics. They'd wake up and pray. They'd eat and pray. They'd do some work and pray. Take a nap and pray. Eat dinner and pray. Read a book and pray one last time. Each of these moments of prayer were corporate, together with everyone. Compline was the monastic bedtime story. Compline had a simple form, a psalm, a hymn, a chapter, a blessing, and a dismissal. According to Benedict, the guy who came up with the rule of life for Christian monastics, quote, after Compline, no one may speak. A common component of Compline 
which they included at Christchurch, New Haven, was the Nunc Dimittis, so named after the first line in Latin of this passage. Nunc Dimittis servum tuum, domine secundum verbum tuum in pace. Now, Lord, let your servant depart in peace, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, to be a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. It is also known as the Song of Simeon the one we read about in the gospel today. Simeon, the old man, has heard a promise that he will see the Messiah before he dies. Mary and Joseph take Jesus to be presented at the temple in Jerusalem. And Simeon sees this baby and he knows. He knows. What does he know? What does he see in this baby? In our culture, babies are elevated as little cherubs when we're not changing diapers. We praise babies, but that is a relatively new phenomenon. In his book, The Anthropology of Childhood, Cherubs, Chattel, and Changelings, David F. Lancey describes how other cultures treat babies more like animals than humans. For example, children in Fiji are not allowed to address adults or make eye contact with them. Lancey describes the, quote, pick-when-ripe culture. Babies and toddlers were largely ignored by adults and often were not even named until they were weaned. Babies were treated like animals. So what Simeon does here is weird. Simeon looks at this little animal and says, I can die in peace now because I have seen God's glory. It is a beautiful line. But it's not all roses and rainbows. Simeon delivers that line and turns to Mary and says, The baby is a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your soul too. Simeon seems to understand a lot about what will come for Jesus. As if all this weren't weird enough, this other person hangs out at the temple. A woman named Anna comes up to the couple and starts saying more weird stuff about this baby. And if you're a parent, this would be really creepy. (laughs) Thanks, but no thanks. (laughs) But Anna and Simeon See it. They see what God is doing in the world. They see the change that is coming before it comes. They see Christ. They see God. And this act is not limited to these two religious folks in ancient Palestine. I am certain that we all experience 
God today. We get glimpses of love eternal in our midst. I saw love eternal this week with the beautiful sunrise we had with surfing and spirituality. Gosh, it was amazing. So perfectly clear. What a beautiful last couple of days it's been. I see God in the birth of my children. Overwhelming the beauty of those little animals coming to life. (laughs) I see God. I saw God when I was falling in love with my wife. And now I see God with her telling me about her day as we both pass out in bed. (laughs) I've seen God in a homeless crack addict and the transgender person who is struggling with depression. I have seen God in the darkness and ancient music in stone chapels. I've seen God here in each of you. God working in and through your lives and in this church. What we do here as a community for the community. The more I see God, the more I am able to see God. It gets easier for me to see God, the infinite love eternal unfolding in the here and now. And that process shapes who I am. It makes me less fearful and more able to love. Notice how Simeon responds to seeing love. He submits himself fully to grace. Now your servant may depart in peace. Gone is the struggle of life, the urgency of individual existence. In its place is fearless submission to the mystical ground of our being. As we talk about having seen God, about knowing where God is leading us, and about the departing in peace, I circle back to one of the most prophetic moments in our times, in our culture. The last speech made by the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., Dr. King was in Memphis helping sanitation workers who were fighting for their rights. And amidst that turmoil, King made the following speech, which he addressed, in which he addressed his experiences, the troubles they were facing, the threats against his personal safety, and what lay ahead for him. Listeners to our podcast will recognize the famous last line, a statement much like the song of Simeon, one that was in songs, one that drew throughout the biblical narrative. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. I could talk endlessly about this speech in our culture, but I'd rather let Dr. King tell you himself This is the last minute of King's final public speech given the night before he was killed. Hold on tight.
concerned.